Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4, Podcast 96 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes, In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Poets' Corner. It is from Edmund Spencer's The Fairy Queen, Canto 2A, Episode 4. Podcast 96 is entitled, Duessa. In the previous podcast, number 91, Archimago, the Wicked Magician, lures the Red Cross Knight, Una, and the Dwarf to his cabin, where using a false dream convinces the Red Cross Knight that Una is untrue. Now we move to Canto 2. Canto 2. The guileful great enchanter parts the Red Cross Knight from truth into whose stead fair falsehood steps and works him woeful ruth. Morpheus, the god of dreams, at the command of Archimago, causes the Red Cross Knight to have salacious dreams. Evil sprites conjured up by Archimago take on the false form of the true Una and her lover, while the real Una sleeps innocently in her bed in another room. Eftsoons he took the miscreated fairy and that false other sprite, on whom he spread a seeming body of subtle air, like a young squire, in love's and lusty bed, his wanton days that ever loosely led without regard of arms and dreaded fight. Those two he took, and in a secret bed covered with darkness and misdeeming night, them both together laid to joy in vain delight. The Red Cross Knight, unaware that it is only his own lustful dreams, is invited, voyeur-like, by the wicked Archimago to witness the dreadful betrayal of his true love. Forthwith he runs with feigned faithful haste unto his guest, who after troublous sights and dreams gan now to take more sound repast, whom suddenly he wakes with fearful frights, as one aghast with fiends or damned sprites. And to him calls, Rise, rise, unhappy swain, that here wax old in sleep, while wicked whites have knit themselves in Venus' shameful chain. Come see where your false lady doth her honor stain. The Red Cross Knight rises quickly from his bed and draws his sword. He wants to kill Una, but Archimago stops him. Ironically, had he actually destroyed the villains who were counterfeiting Una in a dream, falsely accusing her of infidelity, he would have discovered the truth. But the Red Cross Knight thinks Archimago is a holy man and believes him over what before he knew to be true, that Una was the epitome of holiness and virtue. In fact, only with Una could the Red Cross Knight obtain holiness. Without her, he would once again fall into error's endless train. The purpose of Archimago is to separate the Red Cross Knight from truth, thus preventing him from becoming St. George the famed knight of old who slayed the fiery dragon. All in amaze he suddenly upstart with the sword in hand, and with the old man went, who soon him brought into a secret part, 
for that false couple were full closely meant in wanton lust and lewd embracement, which when he saw he burnt with jealous fire, the eye of reason was with rage he bent, and would have slain them in his furious ire, but hardly was restrained of that aged sire. Horrified to see Una in the luxurious bed of salty love, the Red Cross Knight returns to his own bed in horror at his discovery. At the break of dawn, the Red Cross Knight takes the dwarf, and they hastily abandon Una, who all this while innocently slept, guiltless of any sin. It was the Red Cross Knight's own salacious dreams that he was running from. The fault was in him, not her. Returning to his bed in torment great and bitter anguish of his guilty sight, he could not rest, but did his stout heart eat and waste his inward gall with bitter despite, irksome of life and too long lingering night. At last, fair Hesperus, in highest sky, he spent his lamp and brought forth dawning light. Then up he rose and clad himself hastily. The dwarf him brought his steed, so both away did fly. Archimago has successfully separated the Red Cross Knight from truth, leaving him to his own devices to determine good from evil. When the true Una discovers that her knight and dwarf have left her, she quickly pursues them as fast as her donkey can run. Now when the rosy-fingered morning fair, weary of age, to Thona's saffron bed, had spread her purple robe through dewy air, and the high hills Titan discovered, the royal virgin shook off drowsy head, and rising forth out of her baser bower, looked for her knight, who far away was fled, and for her dwarf, that won't to wait each hour. Then gan she wail and weep to see that woeful stour, and after him she rode with so much speed as her slow beast could make. But all in vain, for him so far had borne his light-footed steed, pricked with wrath and fiery fierce disdain, that him to follow was but fruitless pain. Yet she, her weary limbs, would never rest, but every hill and dell, each wood and plain, did search, sore grieved in her gentle breast, he so urgently left her, whom she loved best. The shrewd Archimago follows Una, now that she is separated from her knight. He becomes an evil shadow. He cannot afford to have Una once again join with the Red Cross Knight. Without her true knight, she is vulnerable. Archimago must keep them always apart. He is the master of disguises and can change into any shape. Archimago represents the wiles of the devil who can present himself as an angel of light. He takes on the form of St. George himself to deceive Una. But subtle Archimago, when his guests he saw divided into double parts, and Una wandering in woods and forests the end of his drift, he praised his devilish arts that had such might over true meaning hearts. Yet rest not so, but other means doth make, how he may work unto her further smarts. For her he hated as the hissing snake, and in her many troubles did most pleasure take. He then devised himself how to disguise, for by his mighty science he could take as many forms and shapes 
in seeming wise as ever Proteus himself could make. Sometimes a fowl, sometimes a fish in lake, now like a fox, now like a dragon fell, that of himself he often for fear would quake, and oft would fly away. Oh, who can tell the hidden power of herbs and might of magic spell? Archimago, before in the guise of a holy man, now thinks it best to appear as a virtuous knight, taking the place of the Red Cross Knight. In fact, he appeared as St. George, known for slaying the dragon. The irony of that will become very clear. For the true St. George is the Red Cross Knight. It is the Red Cross Knight's destiny to slay the fiery dragon. That is what Satan, in the guise of Archimago, wants to prevent. But now seem best the person to put on of that good knight, his late beguiled guest. In mighty arms he was clad anon. A silver shield upon his coward breast, a bloody cross, and on his craven crest a bunch of hairs discolored diversely. Full jolly knight he seemed, and well addressed, and when he sat upon his courser free, St. George himself you would have deemed him to be. However, the Red Cross Knight, fleeing from his own lustful thoughts, was unaware of the danger he had put Una in. Thinking that the fault was with Una, he was ignorant of the fact that the problem came from within himself. He projected his weakness upon her, but abandoning her led him back through the wide gate and broad way of destruction. Without Una, he could not discern good from evil. But he the knight whose semblance he did bear, the true St. George, was wandering far away, still flying from his thoughts and jealous fear. Will was his guide and grief led him astray. The first person the Red Cross Knight meets is Sans Foy. His name literally means without faith or faithless. The word Saracen means pagan. The Red Cross Knight entirely misinterprets the scene before him. The woman who is dallying with Sans Foy is actually the enchantress Duessa, which means false. She has a dual nature. She is gorgeous, and the Red Cross Knight immediately falls for her charms. He becomes entrapped by the black widow and doesn't know it. At last him chanced to meet upon the way a faithless Sarazen, all armed to point, in whose great shield was writ with letters gay, Sans Foy. Full large of limb and every joint he was, and cared not for God or man a point. He had a fair companion of his way. The fair companion is actually the whore of Babylon described by John in the book of Revelation. Revelation 17.4 And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abomination and filthiness of her fornication. The enchantress Duessa, who gave her false name Fidessa, was similarly dressed. A goodly lady clad in scarlet red, purveled with gold and pearl of rich assay. And like a Persian mitre on her head she wore, with crowns and ouches garnished, and which her lavish lover to her gave. Her wanton palfrey all was overspread with tinsel trappings, woven like a wave, whose bridle rung with golden bells and bosses brave. Join us next week as we cover the great battle between the Red Cross Knight and Sans Foy, 
a name that means without faith. By conquering Sansfoy, the Red Cross Knight conquers self-doubt or faithlessness. To become the Knight of Holiness, however, the Red Cross Knight must acquire the virtues and defeat the vices. In defeating Sansfoy, though he increases in faith, he unwittingly falls into the death trap set by Duessa, the Whore of Babylon. Please follow us as we continue the story of the Red Cross Knight's journey to holiness in Spencer's The Fairy Queen. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.